Welcome to Rinkwise, New England Hockey Journal's podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Today's discussion will feature Tara Watchhorn and her new Division I program this season with Stonehill Women's Hockey. Tara joins us with a highly decorated hockey background, both as a coach and player. She is a former Team Canada Olympic gold medalist, former Division I Boston University women's hockey star, as well as a four-year assistant BU women's hockey coach. She is also currently an assistant coach with Team Canada U18 national team, and she will enter her first season as head coach of Stonehill women's hockey this year. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, we're so excited to have you, and certainly it's been a long time coming. I know a lot of hard work and a lot of patience and a lot of energy has been put into this moment. You're on the brink of starting your first season, so how are you feeling? Feeling good. I don't know if there's a lot of time these days to really sit and reflect on how I'm truly feeling. We're on the go, and we have less than a week now until our first exhibition game, but every day and getting to spend time with the girls, finally having them on campus, finally having our full staff. It's a lot of fun. I'm sure it is, and I, I bet the girls, you, I know you have a, a lot of new players this year. Well, obviously everyone's new, but a lot of young players, but I'm sure they're getting anxious and super excited. How's, how's that sentiment been with the players? Yeah, it's funny. You really forget when you have less seniors and upperclassmen on your team, let alone ones that have actually been at the school before, which we don't have. So I think it magnifies all of that, having that many freshmen. We have 18. And I will say, though, like from when I went was a freshman and when I was coaching even just five years ago, the shape that the girls come in now and the readiness and that they show up as is just mind-blowing. So I will say I'm pleasantly surprised how, they're re- how ready to go they are physically, and they've been doing well in the classroom too. That's awesome, and always so exciting to get to, the, to, to get to have the opportunity to be part of a first, so a first program and first season and that sort of thing. And how have they been adjusting to a new school? And you guys are in the middle of your preseason right now. So how's all that been going? They've been doing really well. We have so much support at Stonehill around the girls academically and athletically. And and I find we did a kind of a pre-preseason, if you will, a virtual one. So we had six Sundays where we jumped on calls together and kind of knowing that coming in, we talked about everything but hockey. It was, what's the values that Stonehill brings to your experience? What are the resources that you can tap in order to have a successful transition? What are some of the stressors you're thinking about already about being a college freshman? Because I think everyone forgets about the social side as well. Everyone's in a brand new environment and the stress that that brings. So I don't know if that truly was the the difference maker, but I think it helped. The girls have really hit the ground running academically, very strong in the classroom. And But what I do tell them is that we're kind of in the forming stage. And if you look at how teams and groups develop, we are going to hit adversity. We are going to storm a little bit and to expect some of that coming down the pipe coming up. But right now they're doing really well. Of course. And you certainly not only have the challenging task of starting a new program, but unlike teams that have been around for a while that have a mixture of seniors and juniors, et cetera, you guys are also working with all new players, all young players, and that will certainly bring, bring about its own challenges. 
in some regards. So let's go back a little bit and talk more on your background and of course introducing you. There's so much to talk about. I'm sure we can have a novel and I just glaze the surface, but going back to your background, as we mentioned, a highly decorated female player with lots of involvement in the Canadian Olympic team system. Why don't you walk us through it? Did you envision that you would someday end up in coaching? How did that all kind of happen, I guess? Yeah, well, in terms of my hockey career, I think I started out as most small-town Canadian girls did with my brother playing, and it inspired me, and just wanted to follow him around and be around the rinks. But it was 2002 Olympics when I was 12 years old at the time, and I think that age where you can truly process what's going on around you. I obviously loved hockey and had been playing competitively up until then, but to then see our women's national team win gold for Canada it just made me realize that that's something that's possible. If you see it, you can be it. And from that moment on, I'm, every decision that I made was made with, with that in the back of my mind. And I felt so fortunate. You think of the outliers rule, and there were so many things as I progressed throughout my career that I think kind of allowed me to have success on top of obviously all the hard work. It's the under-18 program for Team Canada that started when I was 17. I got to be on that first ever Um really allowed me to get my feet wet in the program and and learn about high performance and what it took to get there and stay there. And I feel so grateful for that initial experience. I always say lit the flame. All I wanted to do is get back and get back. And that really was kind of that inspiration. But to the coaching part of your question, it's funny, not a lot of people realize this about myself is that I always wanted to coach. I found that even watching the your classic sports movies back in the day, I was watching what the coach was doing. I, I loved the idea of how you would kind of construct a plan beginning to end for a season, having the long term in mind and how are you going to inspire and motivate different players and how are you going to strategize. And, and I found that as I grew in my playing career, I was so fortunate that I got to learn from so many amazing coaches and see how those seasons played out and learn what was effective and what wasn't. And funny enough, I I found that when I eventually did transition into coaching, a lot of those lessons did serve me very well just to get going. No, that sounds incredible and very inspiring. I'm sure all that experience and it sounds like it's in your blood, that passion that you brought as a player and now you're going to bring to your very own Division One hockey program. Certainly, I think those players are so lucky and fortunate that they're going to have you at the helm leading them this season. And of course, that talent help you translate into a playing career at Boston University. So small town Canadian girl who took your talents to BU and how did it transition that after your playing career you ended up helping as an assistant coach there? Yeah it's crazy to think about and I obviously reflect on my process being recruited and deciding what school to go to because it very much serves in when we're in the process of recruiting as well. But BU was only three years in the history of the women's program when I decided to go there. And I think that was something funny enough in what I'm doing now and obviously a a strong parallel there. But to be able to get to be a go-to player and help create history and tradition and success somewhere really drew me in. And I never thought I was going to end up in a city, to be honest. But I think it also was exciting. Obviously, hockey is a big sport in New England and in Boston, the Massachusetts area. I think all of that drew me in into BU but with regards to coming back on the coaching side it was in 2017 after 2014 getting to go to the Olympics I never 
was 100% sold that I was going to try to go for multiple. I was going to feel it out. But I think that I did. I wanted to go back. It was an addicting environment, getting to be around so many amazing women and be pushed and inspired and be outside your comfort zone. I did. I wanted to go back and make Pyeongchang. And it was in 2017 I was released from the program and found myself in a situation to start the next phase of life. And the thing for me that with coaching, even though, like I said, I always wanted to do it, it was really hard to ever envision a path into the coaching world. I feel like there's no, it's not like being a doctor, like go to med school, do this and work your way through. It's really, really great. And not just to get into the coaching world, but as to make a living doing it. And I felt so fortunate. I actually moved back to Canada very briefly. I was going to start coaching in the Canadian system on the college side and obviously have to supplement my income with running camps and different things like that. But it was my husband, actually, who was working and came across the fact that the Boston University assistant coaching job opened up. And I, I took a leap. I reached out to Brian DeRocher, who had coached me in the past, and he, he took a chance on me. He took a chance on me as a, as a young coach and some of the best four years of my life there as an assistant. Well, he certainly did. He took a chance, and he s certainly has an eye for talent, for sure. Speaking of which, with we discuss a little bit just prior to getting on air, Brian DeRocha, who is a wonderful person, longtime coach, and nothing but just wonderful things to say about him. And kind of a really interesting thing with, with his program at BU, a lot of people forget this, but I remember back when I was playing at Northeastern, BU was still just a club team. Mm -hmm. And they they transitioned from club to division one and have been highly successful with that transition. But that wasn't that long ago. It was years, a few years ago now. But so I think it's really unique to have that perspective and experience because you're going to be starting your own division one program. But again, going back to Brian, really interesting that most of his former assistant coaches have all landed head coaching jobs and most at the division one level. How important was he in your role and mentorship and, and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, huge. Obviously, he has such a rich history as a player, coach on the men's side, and then that experience of building a program from scratch at his alma mater. I think th there's so many things that I learned from Brian, but I think to your point about a lot of his assistants going on to be head coaches, I find he really does empower his assistants and gives them lots of room to try new things, make mistakes, and have ownership over different parts of the process and not really micromanaging assistant coaches. And I think that leads to us as assistants in those situations, getting our feet wet and realizing we really like this. I like taking the lead. And I, it's funny in a lot of ways, I'm very opposite. Brian is so patient in how he makes decisions. I, I learned so much from him with that regard. I'm one of those people that are go, go, make that decision quick. But I think there's certain ones where you really do need to consider all the different possibilities. So his consistency, his passion for just getting to know his players away from the rink and, and what they're doing in the classroom and writing references for girls who graduate and go on in different fields, just be you through and through. And so I think, funny, like when I transitioned over to Stonehill, that was one thing I truly took. I'm not at my alma mater anymore. Like I really need to ingrain myself in this community and really learn and get a sense for the people and, and what the, what Stonehill's passionate about. And so, I mean, I really took that from Brian because I think you can't walk one or two blocks down Commonwealth Avenue without him running into someone that he knows. And, and that's what it's all about. I think players come here to be a part of a team, but the bigger community is even even stronger. So that's I've learned a lot from Brian, and he's definitely a big sentiment to him, the fact that his a lot of his assistants have gone on to be head coaches.
Indeed. Yes. A wonderful person and wonderful coach and mentor. And I'm sure he's incredibly proud and can't wait to track your success. And going back to your program now. So let's talk a little bit about the last one to two years. So the progression, first off, you were the obviously the first hire as the head coach and kind of walk us through. So now you have two assistants, but let's talk a little bit about how that process unfolded. Yeah, so it was June of 2021 there where I kind of took on the position as head coach and had the summer to get my feet wet, and I felt so fortunate. I knew coming into it that when when I looked into the position and saw what the resources were going to be for our program and how we were going to be able to build, having an assistant coach from from the get-go in that first year was part of the plan. And that was something that really excited was that chance to bring someone on and build the program together. And and I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I had someone in mind when I first took the job. I actually had called her and just kind of poked and prodded a little bit to see what she was doing in her life before I even accepted it and got a sense that she might want to join me on this journey. And that's Megan Myers, who I played with with on the Boston Blades for a few years together, winning a Clarkson Cup and transitioning to a pretty tough couple of years after that. But built amazing cultures there and I think that was the biggest thing I knew that she would be someone I can trust someone that shared the same values as me and someone that would bring a completely different background and skill set to the table so Megan and I got to hit the road all year get on the same page hockey wise really work together on the recruiting front so that now she really can take that over going into the season so it was Megan and I throughout the year we called it our sabbatical year without having girls on campus just preparing and recruiting and then it was recently in the last couple months that we were able to bring Lauren Williams on board and so Megan had played with Lauren as well in the Boston Blades and Lauren has an amazing career obviously playing at the University of Wisconsin and professionally in Sweden and she just took the took the leap and switched over to coaching this year and we're so lucky to have her she's such an amazing mentor for our girls and a lot of experience and education in the mental performance side of things so I think that's such an invaluable resource for our girls to have and for our department New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to SparksHockey.com and use the promo code RINKWISE at checkout to save $50. That's SparksHockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at SacredHeartPioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000-square-foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students can earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 
available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. Must be so wonderful to feel so good and passionate about your staff and first ever staff to to hit the ground running with this program and so important as you're looking to establish the right culture now for your team and I'm sure that you get the question a lot that how do you think you're going to do and instead of that like I think it's it's more now setting the right culture and all your experience again as a player and a coach and you made a really great point of all your coaches throughout the years you picked up stuff some good some bad whatever it might be and what do you think are really important things that you guys are going to look to establish with your program at Stonehill that will give you the culture that you're looking for yeah great question and I think to kind of just kind of bridge off the staff point is that we're working out with the girls right now in preseason. We're doing a lot of things with them. I love them. that. I love that. <laughs> My body does not love it, but we're in week three and we've all survived. But I think that's the biggest thing when you get to have an amazing staff is learning how to utilize them, encouraging them to challenge you and push back on things and having that collaboration. But to your point, then model model what we want, especially with such a young team, how we conduct ourselves and operate in the weight room and on the ice and the little details and being early and all of those things. I think that's going to be huge to be able to have a staff that we can model that and then into our leadership group with our four transfers. But the biggest thing for us, and you alluded to it, it's to build a culture first and foremost. Like I said, we had kind of our phase one pre-virtual season and we talked about everything but hockey and it was about talking about the community. How do we identify value in Stonehill and what the Stonehill community brings to the foundation of where we're going to build our program? And then let's talk about all the girls that we have coming in and the value that they bring and how are we going to put that together to build our team's culture from it. So we have that alignment in our community and we can really springboard into what we want to do. But this entire phase of preseason being on campus has now the whole process has been, okay. we have this vision as a staff and I have this vision of what we want to build culture wise. But how do I work with them to really bridge what's important to them and build it together. And so we've had a lot of different meetings. We've a lot of different team bonding exercises. But I think to me, it just comes down to the the fun fundamental values we don't need to have a rule book we don't i don't want a punishment culture it's about inspiring inspiring each other to be better 
And so that's the foundation we're trying to lay. I think that if we do that and the girls continue to have a growth mindset and keep pushing themselves on the ice and finding out what's going to be our on-ice identity, I think the wins will come. Really love that, a leading by example. And I really have to say, what a staff to, that you've established in your, your first ever Division One program. It just, it's going to be really fun and exciting to watch you guys. So talking a little bit about league play. So I know it's never easy building a schedule from scratch for the first time, but you guys will be part of the New England Women's Hockey Alliance. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that and what that landscape looks like. Yeah, so Newhoff for short is a relatively new league as well. And I think a really, really cool sign for the growth of women's hockey. No doubt with anything new, I think there's a lot of programs kind of smaller in scale to us who are in the middle of building and, and reinforcing that Division One type of mentality. But I think there needs to be more homes. There needs to be more Division One places for girls to play. I think to that point, there's such a niche environment out there. Like I felt by the time we started recruiting for Stonehill, there were a lot of Division One athletes still out there. Like So I think our league is, is really cool in that it shows that growth women's hockey it was the expansion of our league that helped the ncaa women's hockey expand to 11 teams in the national tournament so it's and what also is really cool about that is if you operate under the division one rules long enough your league will qualify for that automatic bid to the tournament so we're going to make team number seven in the new ha this year and this year our league has that automatic qualifier so whoever wins our league will get to go on to the top 11 so that's what it's looking like right now in the landscape. A lot of schools similar to us, and we're hopeful to be competitive pretty quick. Well, no doubt you will be, I'm sure. we, As we said, we can't wait to sit back and watch that. And to your point about the expansion of more Division One programs, it must be wonderful to sit back in your shoes and, and see from small town in Canada as a player to now the growth of the girls game then with the Olympics and etc to now as a coach in, in, in your position and we're seeing it there seems to be consistently new college programs but particularly new division one programs which leads us to think that the landscape for girls hockey it's it's getting more competitive and the pool is getting larger so let's talk a little bit about your roster and uh, recruiting and uh, of course you starting a new program also coming right off of a two-year pandemic. I'm sure not the easiest of times, but let's, again, talk a little bit about how your roster looks, where some of the players have come from, and also tying in a little bit, as we mentioned, being an assistant coach with Team Canada U18 and how you think that may have an impact on your recruiting process. Yeah, like I kind of alluded to earlier, it was such a unique time to build and recruit from scratch coming out of a pandemic. I think there are a few things at play, one of them being the early recruiting that transitioned. The NCAA implemented a new rule as girls were starting to commit a lot earlier. So that 2004 birth year class, the 2022 graduate years from high school, is the one that was going to, um, in large part, make up our roster. And they were impacted by that rule. A good, good chunk of that class had committed early, and then the rule was implemented so that they couldn't be recruited until after June 15th of their sophomore year of high school. And then so they come out of that rule, and we get back into it, and then all of a sudden the pandemic happens. So I found that coming out of that, um, like I mentioned, I felt there were a lot of Division One athletes still out there that were there to help build our program that hopefully got missed. We think about the development from freshman in high school to senior in high school, like it's unbelievable, right? So I think some of the ones that maybe – 
developed a little bit later, grew a little bit later, or just got missed out in Saskatchewan or wherever they were, I felt like there was a unique opportunity to build. So recruiting was pretty awesome that way. And, and in a way, at that point, with the extra year of eligibility with COVID as well, a lot of D1 rosters were really full. So we kind of got to take our time and get to know those student athletes, getting to know them as people, which is just as important. We only get a chance to build this thing once. And so it was great that way. And we knew that there was going to be a transfer opportunity. We knew that because of how big the Division One rosters were and that extra year of eligibility. So, but there was no guarantee. There was going to be no guarantee when we got to the end of the season when things were probably going to get busy in the transfer portal. So I think we took advantage of that kind of unique environment and we got 18 freshmen to be the core of our team and then topped up with four transfers. And I always say we were very picky through the transfer process because being a smaller group, having the upperclassmen be the minority is a very unique environment. And they were going to have to have strong characters. They were going to have to be patient, really buy into our staff's vision and be able to be that bridge between the girls and the staff. And we really took our time with them, and I feel really good about it. Oh, that's great. And so in a way, it's it's almost as if the timing of your program was perfect because, as you mentioned, with COVID, it, it really created an issue for this past year's senior and the, the junior class prior to that with their recruiting process, so almost a log jam, if you will, with the recruiting process. And I think to your point, there was a lot of really great players that were still trying to find a home. So in a way, it was almost meant to be in good timing for for your program mm-hmm. to start up. And do you think that with the, the COVID, do you think the recruiting process is sort of back on track now and more back to normal? Or do you think it'll still take a little bit of time? I think it will still take a little bit of time. I think that 2005 birth year, even 06, that kind of just opened up. There still is a little bit of backlog. You, you're starting to see more girls take that postgraduate year out of high school and going in a little bit later. But I think the cool thing about the recruiting process is it's so unique to the student-athlete and them finding the right fit. So there obviously is the pressure to be recruited and get a scholarship and all of those things. But I also think that you're gonna, there's always those one-off top-end players that go their own way and go their on their own path and I do believe you asked about the under 18 program as well and how that impacts recruiting well I think no doubt when you coach for your national program it adds to my experience and hopefully the quality of coaching that I can provide for our student athletes so to me first and foremost I feel where that benefits us every time I come back from hockey Canada camp no different than when I was a player I'm a better person first and a better coach second. Learning from such amazing people in your country that you get to be all in one room, you're just as passionate about it, and the conversations and the sharing and the stealing that happens. I think that if I was a player looking to decide on a school and I saw a coach that coached with the national program, like that's the benefit. It's the fact that they're getting that constant learning and experience from others. I can talk to the Canadian process. I mean, We have scouts that are watching all over the country that are watching these girls from when they're in Bantam and maybe even younger all the way through. And they're the ones that are selecting our camps. They're the ones that are putting them in those environments. And then when we get there as coaches, we just get to work with them and, and really kind of put together the team that we want moving forward into the world championships. And as we just kind of get into uh, just talking maybe a little bit about your future goals and et cetera, you mentioned you end up, you go back home still. I'm sure that when you were younger starting out, maybe you didn't envision it, but that you are such a wonderful role model and figurehead to a lot of your following back home. And what advice would you maybe give the next future Tower Watchhorn who's looking at you and maybe looking to get into the same path that you did? 
Yeah, I think, well, the the young players that are definitely probably still on the playing side and want to have dreams of going to the Olympics, I think the biggest thing that I could say is that it's your own journey. And I think because women's hockey and we don't have the same landscape of established professional leagues just yet and we're growing in that capacity, I find that there's such a pressure on young girls to have success early in their career and to have to be the top players and make their provincial teams and make their national teams and be recruited early and all of those things. And that's a lot of pressure to be put on a 16-, 17-year-old young girl who has a lot of their career left and a lot of growth. So I think, A, don't be discouraged if you aren't one of those players that have the early success because it's a long career if you want it to be. And the growth, I mean, I was the best version of myself as a player when I was 24. 24, 25, there's no question in my mind. I think women peak at the age of 24 physically and the maturity in your game. So I think just have confidence in your journey. Have confidence that you know you're going to get better. Invest in your development as a player and as a person. I always say hockey affects life, life affects hockey. So that would be the biggest thing for me. I think we get tunnel vision when when we're young and we think that Everyone in the ring sees every mistake we make, which isn't true. Can't happen. Not possible. As a coach, I can't see everything on the ice when we're out there. What we do notice as coaches are the players that have an impact on the game when they're out there. So playing with a purpose versus playing not to make a mistake. I think in the women's game all too often, we do. We play not to make a mistake or not to get beat. So that would be my, my and getting into the coaching side. Just keep making connections. Learn a lot from your playing career. And, and don't stop. Keep pushing forward. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Wonderful words of wisdom indeed. And no no question, I think, with future goals and aspirations. I'll say it. I, I think we're just seeing the start of your very long and successful coaching career and can't wait to track and, and, and follow that. And I'll certainly make a prediction. I think we'll certainly see you on the Olympics coaching someday. That's my prediction. Hope so. Any, any other goals or anything that you want to accomplish? I know you have your hands full this year, but... Yeah, it's it's so tough to say. It's crazy. I'm 32 and have a lot of uh, hopefully hopefully a lot of years ahead of me. And I feel so privileged to have been able to jam pack so much in the first five six years of my coaching career and and to learn so much on the college level and the international stage. Absolutely love working with the UA team program. Anytime Hockey Canada asked me to come back, I don't think I could say no in any capacity, just getting to learn so much. So that's the biggest thing. I think year to year, just keep taking the opportunities in front of me. I'm so excited to watch Stone Hill's program grow, hopefully with a strong foundation after this year and, and get to be a part of that. Such a privilege indeed to be able to present and be part of your, your country and your national program. And Tara, we can't thank you enough for joining us in studio today. We we can't wait to follow your first season this year, and we have no doubt that you guys will do wonderful things and we'll certainly be anxiously watching. Thank you, Steph. Thanks for having me. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by Steve Safran. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.